Men, thanks for listening to our 920 Man Challenge podcast. These are Bible teachings that are meant to be discussed alongside other men in community at our Blankenbaker Man Challenge gathering, where we prioritize developing a competent and confident understanding of who Jesus is and authentic and intentional male relationships. We hope this teaching of God's Word grows your relationship with the Lord, and we urge you to unpack it in your relationship with others. Enjoy! The world around us is constantly changing, consistently failing, and fighting against the rules and lie about who you are. The world seeks connection, but is drowning in separation and division and fighting against everything we stand for. The world seeks to be the answer to something that someone greater than us designed. God calls us to have skillful hands, so we will develop confidence and competence in who Jesus is. Men join teams to win, so we will develop authentic and intentional relationships. We will become fully known by a few. We are stronger together. Our enemy says a man's purpose is pleasure, but pursuing Jesus as Lord is our ultimate pleasure. So we will joyfully take our next step of faith. Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve. So we will develop a heart to invest in others. We are creating a disciple-making culture. We will become disciple-makers. We will be unleashed to be the full force of the church, one man at a time. Our end game is not to be the best we can be, but rather to make Jesus' name known and Him famous. This is our purpose. This is Southeast Men's. Let's go! Good morning, men. Whoa. Sorry about that. How's everybody doing today? My goodness. Not sure what's happening up here. It's good to be with you guys. Uh, always love walking in here on Thursday mornings and seeing all your beautiful faces, uh, at least some of you. I guess uh, March Madness, uh, show of hands, how many have all four teams in their bracket? How many have one? One, two, like five of you. Pretty good. Pretty good. Some people call it March Sadness. Um, you know, it's a big, big time for UK basketball. Uh, my, my good friend Burke, I'm sure he's gone today, but uh, he pointed out to me that we got our first NCAA tournament win in this decade. So, yeah. Let's definitely clap for that. He's such an encouragement to me. Uh, you know, UT, Tennessee, basically, oh, there you are. Good to see you. Now, UT basically did UT things, right? One of the best teams they ever had in history and early bow out in the SEC tournament. Uh, same thing in the NCAA tournament. However, they had a big celebration recently. Um, so they got their ninth. Sweet 16 tournament appearance in history of the school. So that's a good round of applause for everybody. Hang another banner. Um, they do that for uh, NIT appearances as well. It's pretty good. It did, it, you're right, you know. Um, L, tough season, obviously. Um, got their guy, though, both football and basketball. Somebody, I uh, saw a T-shirt the, the other day said uh, L1C4 and 28 was the new mantra. Um, 
couple announcements. Uh, we got spring clean coming up on Saturday, April 15th. If you've not seen the email and seen the link to sign up, we still need some guys to, to do so. Uh, talk to your table leader, grab Ronnie, Chris. Uh, and then April 16th, um, we want to join uh, Chris Morgan and his team just to celebrate FCA Night of Champions. I believe it's at Northeast, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but there's a card on your table. Um, if you've never been to this, it's an incredible event just to go see the, the work that they're doing down there and, and what these athletes and Chris's team are doing on that campus and in this community. It will move you, um, and I'm sure there's going to be a few of the athletes that are going to share some of their testimonies, but it is, it is something to go see, and I encourage you to do so. You know, Chris Morgan a couple weeks ago brought up something that the Lord has really been chewing on me, and it's about physical fitness. Um, in the last five years, I've lost a best friend at age 50 to a heart attack. I've lost six teammates to heart attacks. Um, the last two, four months, I've lost uh, two more friends and two diagnosed with cancer. And scripture is real clear about what we need to do with our physical health. And I'm going to start in 1 Corinthians 3, 16 and 17. It says, don't you know that you're, you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred and you together are that temple. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Do you know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? who is in you, who you have received from God. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. And I don't know where you are in that journey. Um, having the, the privilege of walking alongside men for a long time, one of the things, the themes that I hear and see is that's an area of their life they ignore. And ignoring where you are in your physical state is, is not a plan, obviously. Um, about five years ago, I went to, everybody get those things called life screening, probably in your mailbox every year. And my doc was like, you need to go do that. Let's get a baseline of where you are, see if you have any blockage. And, you know, because we were having this long conversation just about health. And I went in and I did the, the cardiac calcium test first, and then I did the carotid test. And luckily, no blockage. Um, but this nurse, it was funny, she's, she's an older nurse, she's in her mid-70s, it, it appeared, and just sweet as she can be, and she came over after doing everything, and she's like, you know, she's like, you need to, you need to start working out, she said, you're, you're obese, and I'm like, I'm obese, and she's like, yeah, you know, looking at this chart, and I'm like, well, you know, when they did that chart, Ronnie Cordray was a giant, right, when they did the height weight chart. I was like, so it doesn't really, I don't think it applies to me. But her point was well taken. I mean, I was a little bit overweight. Um, and I, you know, if you've never done this, if you've never taken a step in that direction, I mean, the hardest part about working out for me is just getting to the gym. Once I'm there, I know what to do. I go do it. Um, I've also found a lot of people that are working out, they do the same thing day after day, week after week, year after year, and that's not good. That's not good for your body. You need to shock your system. But we've got this thing, Man Challenge Fitness. we got Don, Dave, and Andy, and I think Andy's the one that headed up. If you guys can raise your hands, look around and identify those guys. There's one over here, Don's over here, and Andy and Dave over here. 
Um, I think it's 6, 6.30 in the morning, three times a week, but we, you can figure that out for sure. Uh, but just starting is important. Uh, and not just, you don't have to do anything crazy. One of the things I found out about men too is that they'll, if they decide they're going to do it, they put together this crazy routine, routine they're never going to continue with. And it's just taking simple steps. I had a guy in my life that he just decided he was going to get rid of extracurricular sugar. You know, just all the candies and cookies and all that stuff. And he started there, and then he started walking. He's like, I'm, I'm going to start walking once a day. Started a mile, now he's two miles, three miles, whatever. And it's made a big difference in his life. But, you know, a scripture talks about our body being a temple. It's impossible to go witness properly if we're not taking care of ourselves. And uh, if you need help in that area, go see these guys. I'm sure uh, I'd be happy to talk to anybody. I'm not an expert. Uh, by any means, um, but um, it's important that we spend some time on our physical state um, and honor God in that way. So with that, I'm going to bring up Scott, who's bringing our message uh, today. Um, Scott Long played at U of L wide receiver. Is that correct? Yeah. What was your last year? 2009. 2009. Orange Bowl champ, correct? Yeah. Um, if you guys that haven't heard from him before, uh, you're in for a treat today. Uh, every time I've got to hear him, I love, love the message that he brings. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you, if you could share uh, quickly before I pray and get you going, you know, as a man and, and being around men, one of the things I see people struggle with is just spiritual disciplines, whether it's, you know, quiet time with God, time in prayer, fasting, whatever that may be, and I would love to hear maybe one that you struggled with early on in your faith, or maybe still do, and how have you overcome, you know, that and made it to be a, a good part of your daily or weekly routine? Yeah, I'd say one that, that came, became a maybe a challenge to me was um, scripture memory. So um, scripture memory is something that, you know, is important that really fuels Prayer, I think it fuels our uh, meditation and time spending with the Lord. And so uh, I had a whole bunch of stuff downloaded in my mind, whether it's sports stats or uh, a playbook even. Uh, so I could memorize things, but it was a challenge to memorize God's word. And sometimes, you know, I, I hear an a R&B song from the 90s and I know every word to it. But it's like, can I remember <laughs> scripture? Uh, and that reminds me that, that scripture is, uh, is a supernatural thing. Uh, and it takes the Holy Spirit to help you do it. But if you'll commit to it, uh, God will open your mind and, and help you retain those things. And so scripture memory was one that I had to work hard at. Uh, but now I, I see the most benefit from it. That's awesome. I'll pray and get us going. Heavenly Father, we're just so thankful for this morning to be able to walk in here and uh, see your glory. Uh, thankful for Scott, his willingness to come up and teach you. I know he's prepared. and I know you've prepared a message in him. And I pray that we've got ears to hear, Lord, and a, and a heart to listen, um, and not just listen, but, but be convicted uh, to walk out of here, uh, faith is action, and that we walk out of here and apply what we've learned. I just ask all these things in your name. Amen. 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 Well, hey, guys, hey, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Genesis this morning, Genesis chapter 42. Um, I love any opportunity that I get to open God's word with men. It is an encouragement, okay, to come in this room uh, early this morning and see a room 
full of guys, a room full of guys who are taking their faith uh, seriously. And y'all are doing it at 6 a.m. That means y'all are saved, saved, okay? That's like a, a, a special place in heaven for you guys. Um, it doesn't work like that, but it's really good that y'all are here. Um, Genesis 42, we're going to be talking about, I believe you guys have been kind of journeying through the life uh, of Joseph. And hopefully you've been seeing some things through his life uh, that really uh, encourage you. In a lot of ways, Joseph is kind of a, a figure. He's a type uh, of Jesus that helps us see what it looks like that Jesus was, he was sold out, man. He was sacrificed on behalf uh, of, of humanity and God used and worked in his uh you know, injustice to bring the greatest um, salvation story that the world has ever seen, that the world has ever known. And in this passage today, what we're going to look at is the fact that Joseph's brothers, through his story, Joseph's brothers went through uh, a test. Uh, every one of us in this room have experienced a test or a quiz or an exam at some point in our lives. Uh, recently, I've got a 10-year-old daughter named Eden, and recently she came to me and she said, Daddy, I need you to help me study and prepare uh, for this test at school. And I said, baby, I'd love to help you prepare. So we jump into her room, we jump in it, and I begin to try to help her prepare for uh, this math test. And on the very first question that I help her with, she informs me that I'm doing the problem wrong. Uh, you parents, I don't know you guys, you men who have kids in school, there's a new math, okay, today that kids are learning in school, and it makes the way that we learned math growing up obsolete. Uh, doesn't matter the fact that, that I'm giving her the very same answers that she's getting in the book, I'm able to come up with the same exact answer to the question, but because I'm not doing it this new way, dad's doing it wrong. And so the next hour and a half, it turned from me tutoring her and preparing her for her math test to her teaching me how to do this new math. And uh, man, at the end of the night, we kind of get her in bed. I'm frustrated. I'm anxious. I'm more worried and nervous about how the test is going to go than she is the next morning because I got to figure out what grade are we going to get on this test. Uh, and that's really a lot of ways that preparing for a test goes, right? There's a lot of anxiousness. There's a lot of nerves. There's a lot of anxiety built up around how am I going to perform? Am I going to pass this test? Am I going to fail this test? Am I going to do well on this test? Am I going to, to bomb this test? And there's a lot of anxiety around this, this idea of failure in our performance. But when you really think about the point and the purpose of a test, the point and the purpose of a test is not so that we will fail. The point and the purpose of a test is so that we can prove our progress and whether or not we've actually learned the material that the teacher's been trying to teach us along the way, right? All throughout the semester, the teacher is trying to prepare us for the test. They've been giving us assignments. They've been tutoring us. They've been giving us homework. They've been assigning us different ways to critically think about the material so that when you take the test, you are prepared and you can actually demonstrate that you've got the lesson along the way. And in a lot of ways, when God brings tests into our lives, when God gives us challenging circumstances, God gives us difficult and hard situations, the point is not to make us fail. 
The point is so that we can prove our progress in our faith. Uh, The point is so that we can go through things and that we can turn to God and we can prove our progress in our faith. Not that we're proving something to God because God already knows where your faith is at. It's so that we can prove it to ourselves, that we can understand that, hey, we are walking with him. We're trusting his word even when we don't know the outcome of how things are going to go. As we approach this passage, what we're going to see is that Joseph's brothers, man, they're tested. They go through a test. If you've been kind of journeying along, you know that Joseph's brothers, they betrayed him back in Genesis chapter 37. Uh, they, They strip him of his clothes and they throw him into a pit and they sell him into slavery for 20 shekels of silver. That's half the price of a slave. It was a gross mistreatment. It was a gross injustice. But God was working in that injustice to bring about his glory and to bring about Joseph's good. The Bible tells us that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So here you have this, this, this reality that even though Joseph was sold in these unjust circumstances, he just so happens to be sold to a band of travelers who are headed to Egypt. And he finds himself in Egypt in jail, and he's cellmates with two guys who just so happen to work directly for the Pharaoh, who is the king over all of Egypt. And while he's in the cell with these two guys who work For the Pharaoh, he interprets their dreams for them. One of the guys gets out of jail and he goes back to working for the Pharaoh. And the Pharaoh, the king over all of Egypt, he has a dream that he can't understand. And in that moment, that guy remembers Joseph. And he says, hey, I know somebody. I know a guy who can interpret your dream for you and tell you what the dream means. And he remembers Joseph. And the Pharaoh calls Joseph out of jail and brings him into the palace and he interprets his dream. And the Pharaoh is so pleased with what Joseph did for him, he elevates him and he gives him the role of governor over all of Egypt. He's the second in command with the second most power in the entire land of Egypt. Now that dream that the Pharaoh had was about a coming coming famine. The dream was that for seven years there was going to be a plenty of food, there was going to be an abundance of food, but then the seven years directly after that there was coming a famine where there would be no food. And Joseph, with great godly wisdom, he counsels the Pharaoh and he says, hey, during that seven years of famine, what you need to do is you need to, or or abundance, you need to store up food and you need to kind of make sure that you've got enough food so that when the seven years of famine come, that you've got plenty of food in the land of Egypt, even though it's scarce everywhere else. That famine hits and and it comes and there's no food in all of the Eastern world except for in Egypt. And so here's the thing. If you want food, you've got to travel to Egypt and Joseph is in command of distributing the food. That's where we pick our story up this morning. I want you guys to look with me in Genesis chapter 42 and see what God does. It says this in verse 1, when Jacob, that's Joseph's father, learned that there was grain for sale in Egypt, he said to his sons, why do you look at one another? 
And that's the, that's the way that a dad would talk to their kids. What y'all doing sitting around here looking at one another? Go do something. And he said, behold, I have heard that there is grain for sale in Egypt. Go down and buy grain for us there that we may live and not die. So 10 of Joseph's brothers went down to buy grain in Egypt. But Jacob did not send Benjamin, Joseph's brother, with his brothers, for he feared that harm might happen to him. Verse 5 says, Thus the sons of Israel came to buy among the others who came, for the famine was in the land of Canaan. So here's what you have, is you've got Joseph's brothers, the very brothers who sold him out into slavery, the very brothers who betrayed him now have to go to Joseph and ask him for a favor. They've now got to go to Joseph and ask him for help to feed their family. Here's a little sermon within a sermon. Be careful how you treat people in life. Be careful how you treat people in life because you never know when God might turn the tables and you might need the very people that you used to treat as disposable. But here these guys are, they come to Egypt, and what the text tells us is that Joseph recognizes his brothers, but his brothers don't recognize him. And Joseph is in the perfect position, the perfect opportunity to get justice and to bring revenge on these guys. He's got the second most power in all of Egypt, and he could kill these guys if he wanted to. He could throw them into jail. He could ruin their lives, but he doesn't. He chooses to give them mercy. This is really the heart of God and the way that God treats us. God has every right to condemn us for our sins. God has every right to, to judge us for our sins, but he chooses to show mercy. Right. God, because he's holy, our sins deserve the justice and the penalty of a holy God in a place called hell. But God doesn't want to condemn us. He would rather show us mercy. He can condemn us. He should condemn us. He will condemn us. But he gives us mercy through Jesus. See, the good news about the gospel is that Jesus came into the world to take our condemnation. Jesus came into the world to die in our place to receive our condemnation so that in exchange for faith in him, we can have mercy and restoration and forgiveness. That's called good news. Amen. And so Joseph has the opportunity to really stick it to his brothers, man. He really has the opportunity to to condemn them, but instead he gives them a test. And what he wants to do is he wants to to see what's in their hearts. Have they really grown from the incident that happened before? He wants to see all of this time has passed and you made a really horrible decision before. You made a really selfish decision before. But all of this time has passed and have you really grown at all in your character? That's what's about to be revealed in this test. Notice what the Bible says in chapter 42 Let's go down to verse 8. And Joseph recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize him. And Joseph remembered the dreams that he had dreamed of them. And he said to them, you are spies. You have come to see the nakedness of the land. And they said to him, no, my Lord, your servants have come. What does it say? Your servants have come to buy food. 
Verse 11, we are all sons of one man. We are honest men. Your servants have never been spies. Look at verse 12. And he said to them, no, it is the nakedness of the land that you have come to see. And they said, we are your servants. We, your servants, are 12 brothers, the sons of one man in the land of Canaan. And behold, the youngest, he's talking about Benjamin there, is this day with our father, and one is no more. But Joseph said to them, it is as I said to you, you are spies, and by this you shall be, what's your Bible say? Tested. By the life of Pharaoh, you shall not go from this place unless your youngest brother comes here. Joseph puts his brothers through a moment of testing. He puts his brothers through a moment of difficulty and challenge because he's trying to see what's really in their hearts. Have they grown at all in their character? And how many of y'all know that God does this very thing in our lives? Uh, there are often times where God will put us through moments of difficulty and challenge. God will purposely put us through moments of struggle. How many of y'all have ever heard the, the, the phrase that God will never give you more than what you can handle? All over the room, we've heard that. Well, that ain't in the Bible, right? God will often give us more that we, than we can handle so that he can reveal who are we depending on. Are we depending on ourselves or are we depending upon him? And so he'll give us testing. There's a couple of different places where the Bible tells us this. Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 10. I believe we have it on the screen. It says this. I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. Listen to what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 21 and verse 2. Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. So here's the thing that we got to understand about God this morning is God is concerned with what's in your heart. Man, there's a lot of times where we're living our lives and we're walking our relationship with God. And, and I don't know if y'all know this or not, but we can deceive ourselves, right? We can deceive the people who are around us. You can deceive your small group and in your man challenge group. You can deceive people, but, but God is really concerned with what's in our heart. Right? We get up early in the morning and we come to man challenge. We read our verse of the day. No, we're not cheating on our wives. We're trying to do our work with integrity. And if you're not careful, you can convince yourself that you're better than everybody around you who's not doing those things. But God is concerned with what's under the hood. God is concerned with why you do what you do. God is concerned with, hey, are you serving God because you love God or because of the way that it makes you look in front of people? When you serve people and you do things for people, is it because you love people and you love justice or do you love the way that it makes you feel when you do good things for other people? See, God is not just concerned that you do the right thing, but that you do the right thing for the right reasons. So he'll give us things to search our hearts and to reveal what's really in our hearts, that you really have faith. 
And it's in the difficulty, it's in the challenge that he reveals where your faith is. God will give us difficult circumstances in our lives, guys, to see whether we will pray or whether we'll worry. God will give you difficulty. He'll give you challenge in your life to see if you'll trust in him or are you trusting in the security of your bank account and your skill set and your education. He gives us challenges. He gives us tests in our lives to reveal what's really going on in our hearts. Who are we really depending on? Is it God or is it ourselves? The test for Joseph's brothers is they've got to now convince their father that they are mature enough and responsible enough to take Benjamin out of the house and bring him back home. In Jacob's mind, Jacob is like, every time I send one of my sons with y'all dudes, you lose one of them. Right? Joseph, he thinks Joseph is dead because he sent them out to go with his brothers and he never came back. Simeon, the oldest brother, goes with these guys to Egypt and now Simeon is left in Egypt and they come back. And now they're asking, hey, can we take Benjamin too? And their father's like, uh-uh. Because every time I send one of him with you guys, you fail. But here's an opportunity for them to demonstrate that though they failed in the past, they have grown. And now they can be trusted and trustworthy and responsible and make a better decision this time. I don't know about y'all, but I'm so thankful that God doesn't give up on me in my times of failure. I don't know about y'all, but I'm thankful that when God writes my story, he doesn't write my story with periods of condemnation and judgment, but with commas of grace. And he gives these guys a redo, a makeup test, which I had to take a whole bunch of in school, right? A makeup test to make a better decision this time. Notice what the scripture says in Genesis 43. Genesis 43, beginning in verse 8, here's what it says. And Judah said to Israel, his father, send the boy with me and we will arise and go that we may live and not die. Both we and you and also our little ones. I, listen, listen to what he says. I will be a pledge of his safety. And from my hand, you shall require of him. If I do not bring him back to you and set him before you, then let me bear the blame forever. It's really, really interesting that Judah is the one who steps up and, and offers himself in this way to his father. Because if you know the story back in Genesis 37, it was actually Judah's decision to sell Joseph out for, for 20 pieces of silver. Back in his former life, back in a former period of his life, it was his failure to choose his own comfort over his brother's life. It was Judah who chose to, to get personal gain at the expense of his brother's life, but now he's got a decision, an opportunity to make a different decision, and instead of personal gain, he chooses the gain of his father. Before he chose comfort and he chose to sacrifice his brother, but now he makes a responsible, courageous decision to actually offer himself as a sacrifice in place of his brother. And he demonstrates the ability to make the right decision, even when he doesn't know the outcome. 
And here's what I really want to challenge you guys with. If I could give you one thing to take away, to kind of make a soul tattoo for your life, it's this. It's only in the moments of testing and struggle and difficulty that we get the opportunity to make the right decision even when we're staring at something that we don't know the outcome. It's really, really easy for you and I to demonstrate faith in moments of comfort. It's really, really easy for you and I to say, hey, we're obedient to God and we're making the right decision when it doesn't cost us anything. It's the moments of testing. It's the moment of trial. It's the moment of suffering that we've got to make the right decision to obey God even when we don't know the outcome. And every act of faith that we take in our lives, it requires that. Every step of faith in our lives, it requires us to, to, to sacrifice some personal gain for godly gain. It requires us to say, hey, God, I don't know how this is going to turn out, but I believe obeying you is better than comfort. And it's only in the moments of testing that we get the opportunity to demonstrate that. There's been many times in my life, if I can be vulnerable with you this morning, that I didn't make the right decision. There's been many times in my life where my wife was depending on me, my kids were depending on me to make a courageous decision and to be a leader in my home, and I didn't. And man, that's difficult to stand up here in a, in a room full of men and to say that. There's been times where God called upon me to let go of comfort and to share the gospel with somebody that I knew it was going to cost me something, and I didn't. There's been many times in my life where I saw somebody who needed my help or who needed me to speak up for them, and I didn't. But I'm so glad that God loves me enough to not give up on me and to give me opportunities to get it right again. And the difficulty and the challenges and the struggles in your life, the test in your life, are not meant to make you fail. They're meant to give you an opportunity to demonstrate faith and to get it right again. See, oftentimes we confuse temptation and testing. Temptation is from the enemy. Temptation is meant to trip you up. Temptation is Satan, the roaring lion who's prowling, seeking to devour your life. He's trying to trip you up. God is not trying to trip you up, friends. Yes, God is giving us and allowing difficulty and circumstances in our lives, but a lot of times we're so busy complaining and lamenting about the hardship that we're going through, we're missing the opportunity to demonstrate faith. Friends, it's in the, the valleys that you learn how to pray and depend on God. Amen? It's in the difficulty. It's in the darkness. It's in the struggle that you really learn how to trust God, that you really learn how to take steps of obedience when you can't see the outcome. And that's what God is looking for from our lives. It's really, really crazy that if you trace out JudasAncestry.com, if you do his family tree and trace it out, what you realize is that Jesus Christ comes from the line of Judah. 
We call him the Lion of Judah. So this man who made this courageous decision to sacrifice for his brothers brought us the ultimate man who made the ultimate decision to sacrifice his life for the sins of the world. Jesus came into the world because we were slaves to our sin. We had been sold out to to slavery. We had been sold out to darkness, sold out to the enemy. But Jesus came and he paid our price and he died upon the cross and he was placed in a tomb and it looked like it was over. But hallelujah, three days later, Jesus got up out of the grave. And what the Bible says is if you repent and trust in Jesus, then you'll not only be forgiven of your sins, but you'll be given the power of the Holy Spirit. Watch this to learn how to obey and trust God. Even when you can't see the outcome. And I know that there are men in this room who are listening to my voice today, who are going through some type of difficulty. You're going through some type of struggle. Maybe it's even today. You're going through some type of of struggle in your life. And what I want you to know is that if you'll trust God and do the right thing, if you'll trust God and do the obedient thing, if you'll trust God and do the thing that he's asking you to do, even though you can't see the outcome, What you'll prove is that his power sustains us more than our comfort. His power, his ability, his glory is more important than our comfort. And here's what I want to challenge you with. Don't despise the test. Let's be men who lean into the test. Let's be men who lean into the test and say, we want to be the husbands. We want to be the fathers. We want to be the friends. We want to be the leaders in the community who depend on God, even in the test. So that God's glory, God's glory, God's power, God's ability can shine through our lives when we make the right decision, even though we might have failed at it before. All over the room, I just want to ask you guys to bow your heads right where you're at. We're done. This is something that I've been doing in in gatherings of men. We've been doing this at our churches. We've been really um, doing this thing called called praying (laughs) and depending on God to help us do what only God can do in our lives. Man, I would imagine that, that whether it is that you're, you're struggling right now, whether it's that you're going through a, a, a difficult season in your life, whether it is that you're going through something that brings you a lot of anxiety and stress and doubt, that on the other side of that struggle is a decision of obedience. Something that God is asking you to do right now that you have failed at in the past. And maybe you failed at being the leader that your family needs you to be. Maybe you have failed at turning away from that pornography and leaving that thing alone. Maybe you failed at at, at walking away from from drinking and drugs and all of these different things that we run to for comfort. Maybe you failed at something and God is calling you to obedience. And here's the thing, nobody needs to look around, but if, if you would say that's you and, and you need to make a decision, you need to make a choice to do the right thing and you need God's help, nobody needs to look around. Would you just raise your hand? I'm the only one looking. Raise your hand. Hands all over the room. 
hands all over the room. We need to take a step of obedience, and we need God's help to do it. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray over your life right now that God would help us do it. And here's the thing. I want to ask you to do something courageous. Maybe you would get down on your knees and you would pray to God with me. And you would cry out to God and you would say, God, don't let me miss this moment of testing and struggle to make the right decision. Help me, God. Maybe you would get down on your knees before the Lord and you'd ask him to help you. I'm going to be on my knees and I'm calling courageous men to get down and call out on our God the only one who can help us. So Father, here we are in a moment, in a posture of weakness. Here we are lamenting to you, God, that there's been so many ways in our lives that we failed. God, so many decisions that you called us to be courageous and we chose comfort. God, you called us to walk away from some sin, some darkness, and we keep running back to it, God, and we need you. And some of us right now are going through things that are so difficult, and they're bringing so much stress, and they're bringing so much challenge into our lives, and all we want to do is, is, is lament it. But would you help us see that it's actually a moment of testing to prove our faith? God, not to you because you already know what's inside of us, but to ourselves, God. Would you please help the men who raised their hands? Would you see the men who are in a posture of humility before you this morning? Would you see us? Would you hear our prayers? And would you help us, God? Help us to be obedient. Help us to turn away from that vice Help us to be courageous and to say the right thing when it needs to be said, even though we're terrified. Help us to make that decision. Help us to step out and to do what you're asking us to do, even though we don't know the outcome. God, where we have failed before, would you allow us to lean into the victory of the Lord Jesus Christ to make the right decision? God, for your glory, not so that people can look at us and say, look at those awesome men, but so that they can look at God and say, look at that awesome God who changes and transforms broken men and makes them whole again. God, we ask for your help. We call upon your name. We call upon your throne of grace to give us help in our time of need. We want to be courageous men. We want to be leaders. We want to be those who step up and make the right decision. Help us not despise the test, but to grow from the test. And we pray these things in Jesus' name and everybody said together. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening to this week's Bible teaching from Man Challenge at the Blankenbaker campus of Southeast Christian Church. For more information on how to get involved, reach out to us via the email address in our podcast description or find us on social media.